Welcome to 2020, or 2020, which we have to say, right? We're Bob Rivers, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, It's the Bob and Zip cast with uh, Mr. Ed Kelly, uh, providing the uh, the Ed Sullivan voice. And uh, Zip, how are you today? I am. I'm fine, my friend. It's good to see you. I made a visit to your fine abode. It was nice to see you and your lovely wife and had dinner. Thank you very much. Talked about our medical problems. That's pretty much all we did. (laughs) Hope you left with honey. You know, we could do that at any age, but really, the older you get, the more it, it comes down to medicine. So uh, that is the fact. All right. So uh, this podcast is going to be released on Wednesday. It's being recorded today, which is Monday, and. for those who don't know us, I'm Bob Rivers, radio talk show host for several decades out of Seattle. Zip Zipfell originally was my partner and co-host in the Boston Worcester market. And Ed Kelly is a nationally recognized voice actor talent who has uh, worked in the mornings in Detroit. The three of us are getting together once a week to hopefully uh, provide an interesting conversation for ourselves. Hey. I got a. Would you would you would you term us uh, all of the uh, three of us as grizzled veterans? Sure. Of the radio business? sure. By the way, Zip can't talk about anything but being old. So let's get that out of the way right now. <laughs> grizzled. I love it. Grizzled yeah. could be the name of the show. Let's just call it grizzled. Grizzled, grizzled veterans. Yeah. Grizzled up? Adams. Yes. Yeah. What's up, my grizzle? <laughs> Much is old grizzle. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's get started with the fact that it's 2020. It's a brand new decade. And um, there, is a, uh, there is a lot going on in the world. But really, it's the same old world. There's just a lot of media. And here we are contributing to the problem. 
<laughs> I think we're providing an alternative, yeah. actually. Well, no other no other creature on Earth makes you know media to be consumed by as as many of their other creatures as they can. Like an animal will piss in the corner of an area that it wants to hunt in. Eloquent, yes. Yeah, that's a that's a form of media. It's like mm. I'm the fucking tiger here. Don't <laughs> you know what I mean? To scare yes. another animal. Stay uh, off of my turf. Yeah. yeah but human you, beings will like no matter how small, weak and ineffectual they are, will mm. create an Instagram account and think that it's gonna make them, you know, famous important or something. So certainly yeah. Anyway, here we are. So uh, Ed brought up a very good topic the other day, and I'm going to let you introduce it, Ed, because a certain story triggered the idea of talking about this. And then I saw another story that that basically is on the same topic. I'll let you set it up. Well, I'm the guy that's still listening to terrestrial radio, uh, guy in the corner, Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I it was NPR, I don't know, one of the AM uh, full talk, full service talk stations, and Apparently because of the tax laws and the amount that you can't deduct for uh, charibu- uh, charitable contributions, contributions to yeah. charity. Yes, charitable contributions. Thank you. Um, the the p- people who do that sort of thing and take in the donations are basically down this year significantly. So how much did they change it? And you notice that Zip and I haven't noticed. <laughs> I just know that it's a lot tighter. It used to be you could photograph everything, you know, kind of guess your own worth for it, and then donate it, and then you could deduct all of that. Oh, oh I see. So, in yeah. other words, they've made the they've made the rules tighter, much tighter. Yeah. So it's all not even worth it. It's not worth really. donating anything. No. I always wondered. Well, it's still worth it. Yeah. I mean, but you just don't get the tax deduction for it. I see. Uh, and do you think that a lot of people donated stuff just for the? Because I don't understand that. Because if I let's say I have a hundred thousand dollars I don't need, mm-hmm. uh, but it's mine, <clears throat> as Gollum would say, mine, yeah. precious, and I give it away, then it means I don't have to pay taxes on that money as if I, you know, hadn't earned it. But I still don't have the money, so I never understood the tax reason I, to donate. I don't think so much it's a monetary thing so much as material goods that you used to be able to deduct furniture clothing oh, you know, oh, oh. that sort of thing so all of the people that, that gather those things and redistribute them to the poor and the needy are down donations because people are no longer to make able to make the same deductions you I can't wait a minute i can't it's just a lot it's more strict i can't donate uh i'm gonna look this up now all donations right. Deductions. About being reduced to four percent. I can't remember these uh, new rules. Um, so no, you I think do. that's going to hurt the poor? Basically, is what that's I what's do. concerning you. I think that when you remove the motivation to do that, it's also going to hurt. I think the um, the environment because people would just throw things that they would normally package up and take to a charitable organization into a dumpster and save the trip. Oh. Really, I just think that, that that happens. I think that if you have a chance to get a tax deduction, that is a good motivation for donating your excess goods. Well, you know, over the uh, over the Christmas holidays, I just heard this. Uh, you know, the little red uh, uh, kettles, kettles and the Salvation mm-hmm. Army, right? And and mm-hmm. uh, it just, it, honest to God, that just breaks my heart because they stand out there in all kinds of inclement weather. They mm-hmm. said their donations to the red kettles were was off like fifty percent this year. Wow! From donations, and they were attributing some of that to the fact 
a lot of people were not shopping at brick-and-mortar stores, which that's true. I, but I couldn't possibly see that making a, that much difference. But maybe so. Well, let's let's cut to the let's cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. How important is it to give? Like, should should the government be in charge of making me give? Or should I give? I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> or should I give because I want to give? I think it should be altruistic, but I also think that we should aid and abet it from the government level. I don't think we should hand the job over to the, the, the government, but I think policy should reflect the need. Huh. See, oh boy, you guys are going to always make me sound Republican. I don't like this already. <laughs> Because I have to play devil's okay, advocate. Okay, I am. Yeah, I have to play devil's advocate. But and, and the Go funny thing is, is I'm I I am I, I'm seriously I'm on the I'm like I'm on the fence about every issue. <laughs> yes, you know that. You give us you're a like, definite maybe like about anything, Bob. Yeah. But but Ed look. and I are Ed and I are Ed and I are like Jimmy Stewart. You're like Mister Potter in yeah. Wonderful yeah. Life. Yeah. Well, but, <laughs> but look, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't think the government has anything to do with this. I don't think the government. I think the government should get out of the way of almost everything. I'm a. I am so. What do you call that kind of person? There's a name for it. Non-conformist. Uh, isolationist. No, no, no. It's not conservative. Anti-disestablishmentarianist. No, it's not conservative. It's not liberal. It's uh, centrist. No. What's the name? See, I don't even have a name for what I am. Uh, like I believe the government should get out of the way. The government should be in charge of you know keeping people Small from murdering each other. And um, making sure there's highways and roads. Essential services, as they say. Yes. Uh, and, and I, like, I, I, I give because I want to feel good about myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't give much. <laughs> <laughs> but I've given a, a Well, I give. Anybody surprised here? <laughs> there's another reason I give. Okay. Let's talk yeah. about why we give. Why we give. I give because I want to feel good about myself. And I give because I feel guilty that I have too much and that I don't deserve it. Those are the real foundational reasons to give. Are there any more? I'll second the, that emotion about, um, I think there's always a degree of, I don't want to, I guess it is guilt. Absolutely. Yeah. But like, am I giving enough? And oh, am I, you know, what do you suppose the other person's giving? And, and you know, now I feel bad about it. It, it does, it does play with your emotions no matter what you do. It's yeah. kind of an odd. So I think we thing. need more guilt. Uh <laughs> For <laughs> <Or> altruism. <laughs> yeah. What was the other Not reason I give? I, I, I give because of guilt, and I give because I want to feel good about myself. These are two. Just ask any friends you have who mm-hmm. are of certain ethnicities where guilt yes. and uh, insecurity, that those are wonderful emotions. I think we, we try to say they're bad things, but feeling like I don't do enough is a wonderful, wonderful uh, incentive. Way better than taxes. But, Bob, you have a conscience. Yes. You know most of our friends in Danbury and Westport don't. Have a conscience. (laughs) So, well, but that's a good thing. So, uh, you're right. There are some sociopaths out there, and there's some people that don't care about other people. Uh, And if you're saying that a tax break causes them to selfishly give 
That which is that's the theory, right? That's what you're saying. Well, the the, the end game is the same. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a results oriented kind of guy, mm. I guess. Well, let's, let's, I also bring let's, a, uh, a different paradigm to it. Mm. See, I come from the lower end of the socioeconomic scale. We had to borrow money from the Waltons, if you get the reference. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Zip. What were you about to say? No, I was just going to say we're kind of really sort of honing in on dollars and cents. But when you give back in and, like, you know, help build a house or, yep. you know, that kind of thing. And instead of putting a real dollar figure on, hey, you know, this... This guy's Amish barn fell down. Let's have a barn raising next Sunday. That kind of thing. You know what I mean? That's a bad example. So you like experiential giving more than just yes. writing a check. Well, I mean, you know, it, it, I think it's all in the same, you know, if money is, is what they need, that's the best thing to give. But yeah. you can also kind of. And if you don't have a lot otherwise. of money, donating your time is, I think, even more uh, meaningful. Just hands on. Less easy to cash. Yeah. We, no, that's an interesting thing. And what about GoFundMe? Yeah. There's a million different things, and that's actually become sort of a, you know, or a fund starter. What's that other thing for starting up business ventures? Well, there's, there's GoFundMe and there's Kickstarter are the two big ones. Uh, and, I, you know, I hate both of them uh, because to me they're just people asking for a handout going, hey, I'm on tech. Uh, give me a handout. Uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, VentureCapital.com. Yeah. Basically, oh, okay. Is. Kickstarter is um, you get something like someone wants to make a product, but they don't have the wherewithal to, you know, create manufacturing and do that. So they put up the idea. They get a whole bunch of people to commit to buying one in advance, and then they make their product. That's actually, it's sort of like Shark Tank for uh, yeah. for the internet crowd, right? Good analogy. Yeah, yeah, and and that's fine. I, that that's not so bad. But I I know a few stories about what has happened on Kickstarter, mm -hmm. and uh, if it's a great idea, um, a large multinational corporation will just copy it and squash you and put you out of business. Yeah, because they can afford to, and you can't afford to defend yourself. Exactly. I actually know someone that happened to, uh, and if it's a mediocre idea then, you know, you'll just, you'll oomph along and feel like you did something, which is, which is fine. Um, as far as GoFundMe, um, it's panhandling. Hmm. Ooh, that's pretty harsh, Bob. <laughs> wow. That's, is, there, is there a heart that beats within that chest? Is it of course stone? there is. That's the part of me that believes we need more guilt <laughs> and more okay. insecurity. Yes, white guilt in particular. Yeah, yeah. white guilt, especially white guilt. Where no, the money is. Yeah. GoFundMe is panhandling, isn't it? It's like, uh, you know, give me help. I'm hurting. Give me something. I know the last time that I did stand-up, the crowd was so offended, they got together and started to go, fuck me, Paige. So, oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to keep me off the next week's show. Sure. So, I, but I mean, that's just me. In other words, it, it, I think giving is something you do freely. And I think giving should be encouraged and appreciated but I'm not sure by law. It's interesting. The government, look, every time the government gives a tax break, and mostly they give them to big businesses, but that's every true. time they give a tax break, that's revenue the government doesn't collect. Mm -hmm. And so they got to collect it some other way. And Usually on the backs of the middle class. <laughs> on the backs of anybody who has no power. 
Yes. Yeah. Kindergartners, uh, for example, have no say in, in how the laws are made. <laughs> no more lunch. What? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, anyway, I, as far as haves and have nots go, um, yeah. it's a way of the world, of course, haves and have nots. Yeah. And in yeah. even the staunchest uh, Americans uh, feel that the rest of the world is somehow our enemy. We're in competition with them. and doesn't really know how many billions of people live without even enough food to eat. And squalor. And doesn't care about it. No. So, uh, anyway, this whole tax deduction thing, I don't know. Did I ever take a tax deduction? Let me think about that. Because <laughs> I always look for how I'm a hypocrite. Do you ever do that? Uh, <laughs> me, hypocrite? How dare you? By the way, other people like to see me as a hypocrite, but I enjoy it myself, too. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's good for me, my own self. Yeah, right. I mean, that's where the Catholic guilt and, and all that insecurity comes from. Um, and also with you. So I, uh, one time um, uh, I used that law. Basically, I, uh, I was in a dispute, a contract dispute, and mm. I sort of won the dispute and I didn't want to profit off it. So I okay. donated it all to a charitable fund. Look at you. Very nice, but nice. it was a. There is a heart beating. Well, no, I was, I was <laughs> stubborn and I was mad, but I used oh. it to to appear good. Right? Oh, so it was for show. For I was play for politics for well, political reasons. Oh, uh, you know, you take comfort, Bob, that that Ed and I are not charging you any for this therapy session. Sure, yeah. oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's hopefully, it's cathartic listeners. for you. Yeah. See, no, but this I, is why Meghan Markle just signed a deal with Disney is getting paid but donating it all to charity because they don't want to brand her as being responsible for Megxit. Exactly. You know, and by the way, uh, 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 sovereign guilt is some of the strongest guilt known oh, to God, me. Oh, yeah. got Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and those guys, they're meeting with the Queen today. Yeah. And I've been telling Zip, I watch uh, The Crown. Religion, but Lisa and I are watching it for the second time, which is something we never do. We never watch a show twice because there are too they're many of them. good, though. Yeah. But I swear the second time, it's almost like watching it the first time. You notice so much detail. Minutia, yeah. That you missed the first time. Now, what size screen did you see it on the first time and this time? Uh, same, the same screen. Same screen. Because that matters. I have a 65-inch screen, which used to be a sign of wealth. And now it's, now it's a sign of a Costco membership. <laughs> <laughs> True that. Yeah. But have you graduated from the flat cart to a push cart yet? That's I, what I, I want to I went in Best Buy the other day, and there was a freaking like, 78-inch yeah. screen. Oh, my gosh. And it was, you know, 1500 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought, but here's, the, here's how they get you. <laughs> there are the high-end, which is the OLED TVs. Yes. Which are, you know, were like five grand a couple of For years 6K ago. 6K resolution. Yeah. Incredible resolution. And then there are the, you know, as long as you have a dark room and you're not paying attention, this screen will still look fine. That's me. Yeah, and they're like 500 bucks. So, but anyway, so we're talking about haves and have-nots. Look, yeah. let's cut to the chase here. We all are haves. Some of us have more than others. Yes. I have more than you two. 
I can draw breath uh, yeah. in unemployment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to get that out there because I feel guilty about it, and, uh, and I have for years. And, in fact, I remember when I first started making money, uh-huh. um, which was with you, Zip. We got raised. Oh, I remember that, Bob. Remember when we yeah, got was- big raises because we threatened to leave and we didn't leave? Remember that? Yes, I do. And remember how that suddenly changed your life? <laughs> well, I actually brought a, bought a car that had brakes and, and uh, was insured. <laughs> Welcome to radio, son. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it was still, like, how old were we then? Like uh, 25, 30 years old? Well, my problem was I, I attempted to make a living as a musician for many years, so I was used to poverty yes, completely. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was related. Yeah. To the, you were you used to poverty the way a missionary is used to it in in you know yeah. in, in a thir- in Bangladesh. I mean, of course, he was a he was a, an accordion player with a beeper, the ultimate <laughs> optimist. <laughs> all right, so but when you suddenly got money, did you feel guilty at all? Uh well, it was pretty foreign. It was so, I couldn't believe, I was looking at the paycheck. Oh, my God. I, I don't know if I felt guilty. You know, this is a weird, weird thing. I, my father used to hammer on me so much about making a living. It was more like, wow, that's almost as much as my father did before he made, before he passed away. <laughs> that, that was what I yeah. thought, actually. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Wow. But it's true. Yeah. Now, it's did you feel guilty? Wow. Uh no, I didn't feel guilty. No, I did. You I know why? Because I looked why? at all the other people at the radio station that didn't make yeah. that money. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I felt bad about that. Yes. And yes. I yeah. felt like they would know that I didn't deserve it, and that I had to like hide it. And but at the same time, I wanted to get a fancy car and show it off. And very confliction uh, lasted a long time. And, and, and even as, uh, you know, years went on and we had a successful morning show and, uh, and what I knew was at the end of each contract, I could threaten to leave. Not threaten to leave. I could say I'm open to take. See, here's the funny thing yes. about how I look mm-hmm. at it is I was helping make a company a lot of money. This is like being a, a sports player, right? In yep. the NFL yep. or the in my case, a horseshoe league, a big horseshoe league. <laughs> but you could say that, uh, you know, all right, my contract's up. That's the other thing is I was always under contract. Yeah. You guys have been under contracts at some point. Yes. No cut. Yes. Yeah. And a contract means that they own you like a slave. Mm-hmm. A well Your paid. chattel. Yeah. Basically. Your chattel. What does chattel mean? Chattel, it's um, property, farm, ah. livestock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at the end of the contract, you can say, "All right, who's got a better contract?" That's right. And um, the interesting thing is that fear is your best friend. If they're afraid of losing you, they might overpay. Into in my view, they overpaid for me. <laughs> So many jokes. I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> you're, t- you're serving up a tater, well, Bob. You know, I'm not even going to swing it back. You can if you want. I, I, well, well, that, come on. That's the insane. That's the insanity of the entertainment industry yes. is your perceived value. Yes. It's your, that's why what, we need agents. The, what the perception is. Yes. Is it the perception or is it, look, look at it this way. 
if you don't get, and this is what a sports player thinks too, like Russell Wilson or Tom Brady, uh, if you don't get those millions of dollars, then the billionaire who owns the team gets to keep it. That's right. Why does he deserve it more than you? You're the one that's out there putting your neck on the line, literally your neck, and yep. your brain, and your concussion. Back. Yeah. So, I, but but who's worth what? If you if you believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. we're going to get to my Catholic guilt. Then you, you believe that every human being, everyone with a pulse and a soul, is worth equal, valuable. Yeah. But I'm not a socialist. I'm not going to sit down and divvy it all up. <laughs> so you have. To, Are you sure, Bob? Well, you have to have some balance in between. Like, for example, I I believe in uh, guilt giving, insecurity giving, and I also believe in taxes. I love the fact that when I made more money, I got to pay more taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never thought it was too much, even when it was, because I felt like very lucky to be where I was. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, well-to-do people that echo that sentiment quite often. Yeah. So I how about don't you think guys? they're in the majority. How rich are you guys? Let's be honest. Uh, all Both of you, you can stand next to me and play poor. But Zip, <laughs> I've seen your neighborhood. You live in a spectacular neighborhood. And Ed, I've, I've heard about your place. Uh-huh. I believe it's Waterfront. You live the uh, the life of a... Is it a condo that's a spectacular it's view? A, it's a co-op, but I do own shares in the co-op, okay. although I'm not Ooh. a communist or a socialist. Yeah. So compared to most people in the world, you guys are filthy rich, and you stand next to me so you can boo-hoo about... Not because <laughs> I just I just want to bring that trifurcate of your wealth vote up again, and because we have the numbers, zip. <laughs> it's a political <laughs> thing. Go ahead. Oh man, give it your yeah. best shot. Go ahead. Bring it, bring it to the floor. That's all yeah. I say. All in favor of Bob splitting his wealth three ways between you two, just you two. <laughs> That's funny. The, the present right. people. Yeah, so you let's, have to be present. We have a quorum here. Let's get back to the haves and have-nots. We we'd all like the have-nots to do a little better, as long as it, you know, doesn't cost us too much. Um, the other have and have-not story that's out there that has just changed, by the way, is the college admissions scandal. And uh, there's a there's a change in tactic. Now, as you know, a bunch of parents were charged uh, that they basically bribed school officials through this middleman to get their kids into schools that they never would have gotten into. There were 54 people charged, including, who's the famous one? The one that Lori was on Laughlin from Desperate Housewives. Fuller. Yeah, Fuller. Well, that was one. Then Lori Laughlin from Fuller Big House. Did I just hit a button? I did. No, I did. This is the theme from Full House. Oh, very, <laughs> wow, that's very cool. It's production value, Bob. <laughs> that's right. That's what some of us, some of us underlings in the radio industry sure. are familiar with. Used to have a staff of people that cared about that stuff. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, what's going on, by the way? is they're now subpoenaing USC, the school, saying that uh, the parents were lied to. They were made to believe that they were actually making donations to the school, not bribes. In other words, mm-hmm. donations to a school are legal. Right. And uh, they're saying it's about time we expose wealthy donors and the role that donations play in admissions. And, and basically, by the way, what they're doing is a Trump 
So when Trump is accused of something, he goes, mm -hmm. yeah, I did it, and it was perfect the way I did it. <laughs> <laughs> They're saying, yeah, we donated to the schools. Donating to schools is good. We didn't know they were just going to bribe the soccer coach or the rowing coach or whatever and give him a hundred grand. And it turns out, by the way, that they have a case. You know why? Because Fire there's away. no collusion if you don't know it's being turned around. Well, here, yeah, exactly. But here's the particular. They would actually write the checks or donate to actual school uh, accounts, and then the uh, the bribe was passed on to the correct person. And therein lying the mitigating factor that gets them off the hook. Well, and what it is is USC is complaining that it was defrauded. How can you say someone is defrauded when you actually gave them $100,000? Right. And so the case could actually fall apart, which would make all those people sitting in prison who pleaded guilty <laughs> feel terrible. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So and, and let me get this straight. Now, yeah. this this is a civil case, right? Or is it? It's, it's or criminal. It's criminal, right? Uh. Well, I, boy, uh, you're gonna you're asking me legal questions. Uh, I yeah. mean, I'm reading the Los Angeles Times. Let's see what if, yeah. if it says. You're I'm, asking I'm just, questions above his going, pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have my staff look into know. that. We'll get back to you. <laughs> 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 we reconvene tomorrow I, the yeah. same time? Yeah. I'm, it, does this come down to like a reasonable doubt? That's what I'm, you know, whatever the no, level uh, of reasonable doubt. Uh, well, maybe. Technicality. Uh, uh, in other words, in a civil case, the burden of proof is lower. Like OJ right, is civilly exactly. guilty, That's, but yeah. criminally yeah. not guilty. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, but what's, what's interesting about it is I think that um, this guy Singer who arranged all of this stuff Mm -hmm. They're saying if he made side deals to redirect what those people believed was a donation to USC. Instead, he made them bribes. And so even though he's the one cooperating with the government, they're saying, hey, we just made a donation to the school. Wait a minute. And what's going to come out is that donations to the school do get you your kid into a school. Right. Of course they One of the other side deals he made, by the way, was a book deal. I didn't do it, but if I did. If I did. <laughs> here's how so, I would. So uh, here's, here's a question. Like, if we're getting on an airplane, let's say me, Ed, and Zip are getting on an airplane. Uh -huh. If I make a donation to Alaska Airlines, I will sit in a nice wide seat up front. Yes. And you guys will sit in a middle seat if you didn't book it far enough advance. And by the way, they even make you pay extra not to be in a middle seat now. Yep. Is that bad? Should every seat well, be the same? It's basically a lot of airlines, at least the ones I fly, have turned into greyhounds with wings. Yeah. You know. And you, yeah, you can bring on a wallet, but anything else, we're going to charge you for. Uh -huh. That's how they get you. Yeah. And so, uh, but isn't it the way of... Uh, free enterprise. A, a free enterprise in a democracy that if you have more money, you get to the front of the line. Yeah, sad but true. Can we cue, cue the song? <laughs> yeah. Or is it sad? Uh, because part of why you would want to earn more money is so that you can have more fun with it. And this is where the BPI question comes in. If, you, if, if 
people are taken care of, there's a basic personal income of some sort, some way, and they're mm -hmm. not starving, fine. M make all you want. But the inequity is no. what bugs me. So, Ed, growing up in Canada, which is, would yes. you, would it would be fair to say, is slightly more socialist, set, you know, governmentally than the United States, correct? Well, at least the most I ever paid for a prescription prior to moving to the U.S. was 65 cents. Wow. Any prescription. Yeah. Hmm. Now, it even has the Even the boner sense. medicine? <laughs> <laughs> I left very early, Bob. It wasn't a problem. No. <laughs> you left Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I sometimes go back. Any blue diamonds? Come yeah. in. You left Canada when we needed a mallet for that thing to tone it down. Sure. <laughs> Got a cut glass, yeah. yeah. I understand. Uh, so, so uh, back to the question, though. Did yes. you think the quality of life in Canada, in general, for the average middle class people, was better? Yes. Or, I mean, or the equity in in incomes was was. It was is better. still that way. I mean, you know, I just had I had a brother in law and a niece who just were treated um, for medical conditions, major medical conditions. One of them, cancer, and uh, came away pretty cheaply compared with something that would bankrupt somebody in the United States. So, yes, mm. quality of life. I Are think, the med is, the, is the median in I mean is there still the have and have is there the 1% rule happening in Canada in your estimation? Um I I don't know that uh, I'm in any position to answer that statistically with any great yeah. accuracy. I know it's less that the gap is less of course, yeah. there's less people, and the taxes are much higher. Much higher. I have a best friend yes. in Canada, by the way, Ben, uh, who's done Twisted Tune work for many, many years. And, um, y you know, what Ed's saying is true. Uh, there's a much bigger social safety net, although a lot of Canadians cross the border for medical care because sometimes there's a three-month wait to see a specialist. Oh, you know, it yeah. is a double-edged sword with it. Uh, it is definitely more socialist uh, and more the way some people would like to see the United States and less devastating to, to people on the bottom. The U.S., the U.S., for good or ill, uh, has evolved to be a pretty... Uh, first off, it's the envy of the rest of the world. You notice that Ed isn't trying to break back into Canada. It's for, there's a $4,000 exit fee. I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you'd still rather be here. Now tell me why you'd rather be here. Well, because I grew up in the Sun Belt of Canada, which is in, in an earshot of an American market, the very market that I'm in, and I was more Americanized than most Canadians. And so, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, and I grew up watching this huge metropolis. And we, frankly, over on the Ontario side, had the best view of Detroit, Michigan, mm. right across the river. <laughs> so you just, uh, you, you made the leap, but if you had it to do over again, you'd still rather be in this country, right? Yes. I, I've always been, I don't know if Americana or America, I'm not phobe, America. America, I love America. Yeah. I really do. And my friend who lives in Surrey, B.C., also loves America. I met him for lunch mm -hmm. last week, and they came over the border where they do their shopping because the grocery stores in Canada don't have all the cool brands and everything is, no. you know. And by the way, they play too much Anne Murray over there. They, they actually they have, a, have a rule that you have to play Canadian music on the radio stations. Mm -hmm. And what 50%. happens is you get this bland, it's sort of like antidepressants. You get this bland... <laughs> 
you, you know, is it better? Some would say yes. Some would say it's just more dull and homogenized. Spread your tiny wings and fly away. <laughs> yeah. so, What's the matter with you? But it's a matter of degree. I mean, uh, it, yeah. look, this is a great country, and even the poorest people in this country do not want to move to Bangladesh. And I, I bring Bangladesh up because I've been there several times. Mm-hmm. But I've also Maybe. done uh, Brazil, some of the slums in... Um, uh, what other countries? It's several World Vision trips, and it's astounding how poor poor really is. Oh yeah. So I I don't know. Uh, haves and have-nots. Uh, I have. I feel like I have, and uh, so because I'm guilty, I f- I give as much as I can without endangering my have status <laughs> that's a terrible psa bob i gotta tell you <laughs> just that's the worst look, perhaps the worst i've heard for years for years working for big corporations in morning yes. drive i felt like i couldn't be 100 percent honest you know you had to put up this facade a little bit and uh, if there's anything that podcasting allows it's uh, you know just maybe a little more a little more honesty uh let's <laughs> let's move on I, I do have a story to tell and but before we do that, uh, Ed has a, uh, a comedy bit, which I'd like you to help set up for us. A comedy bit that I sent you hours ago. Yes. <laughs> Did you remind me what I sent you? <laughs> yes. Oh, you sent me, uh, well, it, it, it relates to me because I live in Vermont. Oh, yeah. Zip is in Massachusetts, change, or as I call it now, Grassachusetts. Grassachusetts. And you're in Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. So this is, is uh, this is Vermont. It's national news. Yeah. It, Vermont bans cell phones, which uh, sounds ridiculous. But has Vermont banned cell phones? They want to bring. They want to take them away from kids. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. what is a kid? How old? I, I, it was either 19 or 21. I can't remember the specifics, but yeah, it's like kids aren't going to have that. Do you realize the revolt that would happen in most households if you tried to take away a kid's phone? That's their entire who, existence. Who put up that legislation? They're not going to get reelected, I'll tell you. Probably a friend of Bob's, actually. Uh, well, a Vermont <laughs> senator proposes a ban on cell phones. Uh, State Senator John Rogers proposed a bill that would effectively ban cell phone use and possession for residents under 21 because, he told CNN, cell phones are just as dangerous as guns. Huh. He knows it won't make it past the Judiciary Committee. He's getting for publicity. He's going to go to committee and die. (laughs) Someone will shoot the bill, actually, with a gun. Because in Vermont, Vermont, um, preschool teachers are armed. Uh, so, all right. Uh, I'm not going to push for the bill to pass, he says. I wouldn't vote for the thing. This is just to make a point. The point. In Vermont, it's illegal for anyone under 21 to buy a firearm. He says the same age restrictions should reply, uh, apply to cell phone use. It's clear that persons under 21 years of age are not developmentally mature enough to safely possess them. Well, <sighs> Overreach, who's to say? I think that applies to my wife, too. <laughs> well, let's play this back for Lisa, shall oh, I? I, I'll sit down with her, and, and she picks up that thing, and I realize that, oh, my gosh, that thing is, that's, that's fentanyl with, a, with an integrated circuit. Yep. 
the same <laughs> chemicals that are actually released. Uh, the dopamine, hand. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, violating, uh, it's clear that anyone, blah, 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 what did he say? So it, it, this is just to get publicity. He's really a, a, a pro-gun guy, right? Or anti-gun Likely. guy. I can't. Oh, anti-gun guy? Uh, let's see. I think people need to think about the liberties they're willing to give up for safety. Yeah, yeah, he's pro-gun. He's saying, well, if you can't have a gun, you shouldn't have a cell phone either. Got it. Now, I think you should have a cell phone, but if you have a license, then there ought to be a chip in your license that shuts it off when you get in a car. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a lot of single-lane divided highways in Vermont, are there not? That's a good one. Should everybody's cell phone be disabled in a moving vehicle? All right. Now, Other they just did you pass- have a hard time. Yeah. In Massachusetts, yeah. uh, Governor Baker just passed a uh, no, you know, hands-free um, law that kicks in the end of March, I think, mm-hmm. um, that you cannot, you know, you can have a phone in the car, but you cannot use it handheld. Yeah. Uh, Which is an improvement. I don't know if it's going to eradicate the distraction. That still distracts. I'm sorry. But, you know, I have been on the phone and missed my exit by 300 miles. <laughs> <laughs> That's don't a, tell me it's not a distraction. That's awesome. I don't know what you yeah. were watching, but send me the YouTube link. I, talking. I'm just saying, talking in the car. I've actually your hands free or not. Is I've actually a watched a Yes concert on YouTube. You know, not glanced at it yeah. while driving between Seattle and California. And, don't brag about that, Bob. Well, well here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not bragging, but my wife brags. By the way, I yeah. said to her the, uh, a couple of months ago. I said, "Hey." She was texting and driving blatantly while I'm, in the, I'm like, hey, Whoa. you wouldn't do you. If I did that, you'd be all over me. And you know what she said? She Women said, multitask, men can't. No, she said, I have the skill. Well, it's true. There, there's something behind that. There is some science behind what she yeah. says. Oh, uh, no. Anyway, so uh, and, and, and here's the way I feel about it. Uh, ugh, this is going to be controversial. Mm-mm. <clears throat> Because you might kill other people, so that's a slight flaw in my theory. Mm-hmm. But your car is loaded with gadgets. Your car has screens, your car has buttons, it's had knobs, it's always had a heater. No one ever said, the heater Not should mine. be disabled as soon as the... Ve- you know, uh, <laughs> Sorry, we're part least, of town, Bob. Yeah, you should move back to Canada. Um <laughs> <laughs> now the, the point i'm making is that no one ever said uh you know the heater should be disabled as soon as the vehicle is moving uh, mm, everything we true. have and all the controls in the car always get more yeah. complex yes. it seems unfair to single out the cell phone uh i know that uh for a while i kept watching accident statistics and it looked like we kept getting safer even though people were texting and driving more. Now now I know they say that it does cause a bunch of accidents. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it just occurred to me, what about when we were growing up, when the old man turned around in the seat to whack you in the back seat? <laughs> Absolutely. making too much Don't make me stop this car. <laughs> At least he stopped the car. <laughs> yeah. It's, they should have proposed house. glass yeah. like a tank so that he could. All right. Safety. Uh, yes. All right. Here's the bit. This is Vermont bans cell phones. A Vermont senator has proposed banning the use of cell phones for young people. The penalty for possession would be one year in prison and a $1,000 fine. This is like 
totally unfair. How am I supposed to date, know the weather, or distract myself from the meaningless void that is life? You looking for a phone? Meet me behind Home Depot at 6 o'clock. But I don't know what time it is without a phone. I got all kinds of phones. iPhones, Androids, Blackberry Kush, Razors, phones to check Snapchat, Nokia phones that only make calls and play the game Snake. Yo, if you buy two phones, I'll throw in a box of straws. Five-O, I gotta get out of here before I'm locked up for holding a phone. Oh, that's okay. It's just my siren ringtone. Oh, cruel world. If a complaint isn't put on Twitter, does it even make a sound? What's it gonna be, yo? Just give me something with a GPS. I have literally no idea how to get home. Love it. Uh, <laughs> you know what that, that points out? What was out? his name? Fernell? Fernell? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> We have no idea who that was. Might have been Ed. Might have been an actual guy of that actual ethnicity. (sighs) So uh, the phone is indispensable to our lives now. It truly is. It truly is. Okay. Uh, Lastly, Mm -hmm. I would say my favorite classic rock album of all time is pretty indisputably the Beatles' Abbey Road. I don't know how you two feel about that album. I know, Zip, you're kind of a blues guy. Rubber soul guy. <laughs> Probably a rubber soul. I don't know. Which 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 would be your favorite? Uh, the most, uh, what, as far as just me liking it or the most influential record? Most I influential think. classic rock album. I'd say Sgt. Pepper's, okay. quite honestly. Uh, yeah. And we may all go with the Beatles theme here. How about you, Ed? Oh, Gordon Lightfoot's greatest hits, eh? Yeah, <laughs> Canadian. Yeah, Wreck sure. the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> hey, hey, mama, said the way you move, gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. Love it. <laughs> Just about every song could be done to the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. True that. No. Oh, man. Mm. Rocking out. Oh, that's so, funny. uh... uh to me, it's Abbey Road, and I'll tell you why. There's a story behind it. When I was um, I'm trying to figure out the exact age, somewhere around 18. Hundreds? Uh, no, 18 years old. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I knew you were older. Uh, when I was in the vicinity of 18. That's when the ship yeah. went down in the 18. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many times can you sink that damn boat, Gord? Anyway. Gordon should sing a Beatles song here if you can. He should. <laughs> Yesterday. Uh, sorry. Nope. <laughs> I know it's hard. Oh, man. So uh, when I was about 18, uh, I actually purchased Abbey Road and I purchased it on cassette because that was the way you would purchase uh, a record at that time. I mean, it's That's funny good. to think about buying a little piece of, you know, what do you call that? Sell you. Magnetic tape. Magnetic tape. That yeah. thin. It, it sounded crap. I mean, for some reason, it was... Unless you had DBX. Awesome for me. I might have had DBX. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what it was is I... Well, I it, ha- it plays better when you don't spill hash oil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we, we are in the right uh, decade for that. Uh, yes. But what it was is I was, you know, a schlubby kid, and um, I actually had a date, uh, a girl I had met invited me up to see her at, and I remember where this was, it was a, a college in Holyoke. Is there a girls' school in Holyoke, Massachusetts still? Yes. Um, you probably... Come on, you frequent it in a raincoat. You should know this. 
Zip did, not me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there is. Well, I don't. You know the what, name escapes me. All right. But anyway, so I get invited up to this place. Yeah. And here I am in my, you know, uh, crappy little uh, rambler. Uh, <laughs> kind of nervous because I am not, uh, shall we say, Worldly Equipped with your guilt cod piece. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you won't hear cod piece again today on this broadcast. I'm not worldly when it comes to dating. Yes. If you if you catch my I know what you're my saying. drift. You're and uh, and so I thought this is very exciting. She invited me up. It's a all girls school. I have no idea what's gonna happen. And uh, on the way up I had purchased this cassette, Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. And I put it into my car. And perhaps it was, you know, my male hormones combined with that ketchup commercial. You know, the one where Carly Simon sang Anticipation. Anticipation. And, uh, but anyway, this, this album comes on. And especially side two, uh, Mean Mr. Mustard, Polyethylene Pan. She came in through the bathroom window. I, I thought this was like, this was the most amazing exp- musical experience to this day. Sure. that I've ever had in my life was that drive. And when I got there, the girl was, of course, just like that movie, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. It was like water dripping off of her and she was in bikini. <laughs> uh, in my mind, by the way, she was fully clothed. She was Phoebe Cates, yeah. And I went in there and I said, I bought this new album. And she said, oh, I've been wanting to hear that. And we played the record. And by the way, strategic mistake. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of many <laughs> because it used up too much time and we're, yes. we're in her dorm room and she had gotten rid of her roommate and i'm so dumb that i think i've got to you know um I, i've got to get to know her first total mistake yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay my roommate's gone uh we're here we're here in my dorm room and, uh, oh, here are the book beds. I was really looking forward to meeting your roommate. I have you got Rick James? Give it to me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I have the lower bunk. And, I'm, and she's like, I have the lower bunk. Let's sit here. And I go, at that uh, moment, I go, I just bought this cool new album. You want to listen to it? <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. She's like, I guess. If, if that's your priority. <laughs> and so, anyway, we, we put on the, uh, the record. and Put on, but no put out, apparently. And it was so good that we had to, and this is the Beatles, basically cock-blocked me. Mm-hmm. The, the album was so good that we had to listen to the whole thing. And when it was over, she, she liked me, and she, you know, we made out a little bit. Uh-huh. Did you give her the Fab Four? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, at our age, that just sounds creepy. <laughs> it does. <laughs> the whole Beavis butthead thing, I'm so... Like, I look uh, at myself in the mirror and go, shut up, old man. And then I think, but I'm still a kid. So, uh, it, it, basically, you know, we made out a little bit, and it was literally to this day, obviously, it's one of the best experiences of my life but she said oh my roommate's gonna be here in five minutes and they had to hide don't me. worry it won't take that long <laughs> well, <laughs> you know i don't know that whether that would have been advantageous to say 
Well, how about, is she hot? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We're, we're too much Catholic school for me to even think uh, about yeah. think that way. Uh, okay. But uh, so uh, literally I only had a few minutes left. Her roommate came back. We listened to the album. And they they had smuggled me into the girl's, you know, dormitory. Right. And so I slept in there, but the the alone time was gone. And the next morning... And all the girls teeheed because, you know, someone had smuggled a boy in. Apparently, right. this sort of thing happened from time to time. And mm-hmm. they they literally had lookouts. Like, it was like Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Rivers. You'll have to leave through the bathroom window like the yeah. song. Well, in the morning, they said, if you want to take a shower, we'll we'll guard for you. And girls guarded. And they smuggled me into the girls' shower. But unfortunately... Alone in the girl's yeah. shower. Yeah. Because they didn't want to titter even more. Right. <laughs> so why do I tell this story? Well, because clearly Abbey Road to me yes. was the greatest record of all time. Uh, aside from the fact that it actually is good, I yes. had that experience. And well, music does knit memories better than almost anything. Yeah. So uh, a few weeks ago, an article was published on songfacts.com. Ed, I know you've seen it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Zip has seen it, but it's a website uh, about artists and music with stories behind the scenes. It's Mm -hmm. an excellent website, by the way. It's just brilliant. And the guy who started it in Connecticut has uh, you know left his full-time job i think he worked at espn or something and Mm -hmm. this website is now a a good entity anyway he wanted to interview me about twisted tunes and twisted christmas songs and all of that and i did a a long interview so you can read that if you're interested songfacts.com but he asked for great pictures from famous people i've met and famous things that have happened in my career so I sent him, you know, Alan White playing uh, on a twisted tune. I sent him... Blue, in your garage or somewhere? Probably. Blue Oyster Cult playing in my garage uh, yeah, and see, stuff yeah. like that. And one of the pictures I sent to him was me recording a twisted tune at Abbey Road in London. Oh. And I was not aware you did that. Well, and I, and I hadn't talked about it in forever. As you can hear, it dug up all kinds of good memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sent him the picture, uh, and and he was like, do you know who any of the people in this picture are? And I said, no, nah, it's been so long ago, I don't know. The reason I was at Abbey Road is we were doing a London broadcast where a PR firm you know, would fly in morning radio shows, and they would get a whole bunch of artists that wanted to be interviewed on them. And we would do, you know, we were doing this uh, broadcast from London. Kind of perks you used to get in radio. Yes. And while I was in London, I just took out a credit card and I booked a day of recording at Abbey Road. Which he's still paying for, by the way. <laughs> I, I actually How remember. How much was it? I'd be curious. I remember what it cost, and it was so. This would have been about nineteen eighty-eight dollars. Okay. And it was two grand for a day, which is a lot of money for me. But I was surprised well, it was available. Yeah. And uh, on the other side of the studio, Pink Floyd was recording their album. Oh. 
that has the song on the turning away. That's the only thing I remember about it. Um, Division Bell? Yeah. And they put me in the crappy studio. But the crappy studio was literally kept in memorial of the Beatles. It was Studio Two. The studio where they recorded, you know, with all the ceiling tiles, with all the holes in them, and the, sure. they did a day in the life. They did all of their, if you look at me, uh, movies of the Beatles, they said, no, we, you know, Pink Floyd has the really good modern studio. We'll just put you here where John, Paul, George, and Ringo <laughs> made all your favorite records. And so I that had to wow. raise some hair on the back of your neck. Ah, I was in total heaven. Oh, yeah. And uh, all I, I mean, and the song I did was was junk. It wasn't even a good twisted tune. Um, Who but cares? It didn't matter. And the engineer I had at the time, I remember, was really really fun. He gave me a tour of the building, and he showed me some of the history of you know, like parts of it are still funky and old. Mm-hmm. And I remember this weird feeling I had. They had this old bathroom that was all done up in tile. And li- those little tiny tiles where they're like, you know, half... Octagonal. Yeah, and you, and you know it would take forever to make it. And and anyway, I remember in the urinal, like, I actually went to the bathroom <laughs> and I said, did John piss here? And he said, they all pissed here. And I was like, oh, I'm taking a piss. Can you pass <laughs> some paper cake. underneath, for God's sake? The roll's <laughs> empty again. Again. This, this is not as good as the uh, previous part of this story, but <laughs> okay. it was still wild. So, yeah. so anyway. You, so, so, you, so you came away with a signed urinal cake? No. <laughs> Although, oh, man. Now that you mention it, there were urinal cakes there. <laughs> Except for yes. I would have to, it would have to be historically, uh, you know. Accurate. Yeah, I don't want Pink Floyd's urinal cake. That's yeah. It's trending on eBay. <laughs> he took out the DNA and found uh, out it was Tiny Tim. If, if they were recording another brick in the wall, I might take that yeah. urinal cake. So anyway, here it is, you know, some 32 years later. I send the picture to songfacts.com. And someone writes a note, an email to us, and says, uh, and it's just a, a fan who saw the picture, and he said, by the way, is that is that recording engineer John Curlander in the photo with you? And I wrote back, and I said, oh, that's so many years ago. You know, I, I have no idea. And... Um, and I thought, that's interesting. He wants to know if that's a certain, you know, famous engineer. Well, I just got this last night. Uh, Bob, I just want you to know that you likely unwittingly got to work with one of the world's top engineer mixers, John Curlander. I contacted John, showed him the picture, and he wrote back and said, very cool. Yes, that's me in Studio 2. Ha ha. Wow. John Curlander was the principal second engineer on Abbey Road. Oh, wow. And so I looked up an article, an interview with him in Variety magazine. Mm -hmm. And there's even more about John Curlander. Do tell. You think I have a good Abbey Road experience? (laughs) When he was 16 years old, his high school did uh, a field trip to Abbey Road. That's when he decided that this is what I want to be, an engineer. 
And so when he was uh, 17, 17 and a half or something, he applied and immediately got hired as an assistant engineer and was taught everything. And when the Beatles recorded Abbey Road, he was the main second engineer for the entire album. But it gets better. Okay. He has stories about the Beatles that no one else knows. Uh, for example, remember the song The Ballad of John and Yoko? Yeah. Yeah. Christ, you know it ain't easy. Standing in the dark of Southampton. Yes. Can you do that to Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, please? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. I think it could work. Chris, you know it ain't easy. Can, can, you, book us, can you book us in the Abbey Road to record it? Your dime. I want you to work on that one. Okay. So, um, on the ballad of John and Yoko, just John and uh, Paul showed up. Everything is played by John and Paul. He said it almost didn't feel like a Beatles session because they, uh, they couldn't find... George and Ringo were out of town. And so he got to record that with just the two of them. Wow. But here's the best John Curlander story. When they were recording Abbey Road, they were working on side two. Remember the side that I made out to with this college girl co-ed and uh, the all-girls school smuggled into the dorm room could have gone to brown it would have been closer anyway uh, again if i could transport myself back and just be a little sluttier i'd be <laughs> <laughs> you know that's your outside voice right bob i do <laughs> you'd have a kid who was 51 yeah. mm -hmm. thank you for bringing it back i appreciate that zip now i'm old. now i'm better um so um, they had the song. They called it the long one when they were working on the side two medley. Okay. And the long one actually consisted of, uh, well, Polythene Pam, uh, Mean Mr. Mustard, and Her Majesty was part of that. Remember Her Majesty? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Her Majesty. You know that? that it's a little ditty. Majesty right. is a pretty nice girl. But never mind. Ed. <laughs> I just want you to keep singing the wreck of the evidence. Anyway. <laughs> no, I know. I know. You can't do it off the cuff. So uh, here's what happened in the, uh, in the session. Paul comes in and he goes, uh, it, and by the way, in the original uh, long medley, Her Majesty came before Polythene Pam. Paul McCartney heard the run through and he said, eh, Throw out Her Majesty. Nah, I don't like it. The, those three songs uh, do fine without Her Majesty. And so this kid, who's 18 years old, is in the studio, and it was their job to tape the three songs together and make sure. that thing. Yep. And, uh, and Paul came in again, and he said, look, I don't think Her Majesty works. Just cut it out. And Paul went home. So it was John Curlander's job to tidy up the housekeeping of the studio. You know, you throw away uh, the yep. stuff, you put the razor Empty plates... Empty the garbage cans. Yep. Exactly. Re restock the mini fridge. Make <laughs> sure the there's a bowl. bowl of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to get that in. Yes. It was, this was pre-cocaine, though. This is back in... Uh, what did they do then? They did LSD, I Psychedelics, yeah. yes. Yeah. Anyway, he said there's an EMI. EMI owned Abbey Road, the record company. 
There's an EMI rule that says if you remove something from a master tape, you have to splice it at the end of the tape mm -hmm. after a piece of red leader tape so it isn't so lost. Restore it tail out? Is that the yes. idea? And yeah. he said, everyone else had gone home, so I did my job. I tagged Her Majesty on the end. The next day, Mal Evans took the tape and had a reference acetate cut by without Apple's looking at it. cutting engineer without looking at it. And the <clears throat> acetate was cut, leaving Her Majesty in because it was, it was spliced on the end. And at lunchtime... They played it through with Paul McCartney there. The rest is history, of course. Uh, they're sitting there. They thought the album was over. And all of a sudden, Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, and she doesn't have a lot to say. And he said, Paul looked like super surprised, because he had said, just get rid of it. But they said, huh, I like that. It kind of works. Ah. Yeah. And they left it in. Happy accidents, all right? And that's my Abbey Road story. Isn't that cool? Very cool. It is. Extremely. Thanks, Uncle Bob. <laughs> See, now, here's where you could be more honest. <laughs> no, you're totally self-serving and full of yourself. It has nothing to do with you. This guy, John Curlander, deserves all the credit. Uh, but yes, it's... it's Fresh with cool. greatness, though. Seriously. Later, uh, John Curlander uh, tells this story. Uh, he, um, it was very late at night one time when he was recording with Paul and Paul came over to him and Paul was really exhausted. It was like totally the end of the night. And Paul looked at him and said, I'd love to know what's your favorite album. Only he did it in a British Beatles accent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> and 18 year old John Curlander said, Beach Boys. Pet sounds. Yep. McCartney looked at him and said, nice choice. To this day, Curlander goes, how the fuck did I not give him the Sgt. Pepper or Beatles album? Yeah. <laughs> Honesty. See? There you go. Ooh. Ooh, Next week, it all together. Nice. And they appreciate it. Next week's show will be about honesty. Let's see who shows yes. up. <laughs> and uh, speaking of rock luminaries, a moment of silence for Neil Peart, Neil oh, the Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do they, uh, at this point with the other members of Rush, they had already retired. And mm -hmm. uh, he was, what, 67? S something like that. But yeah. he, he's been ill for quite some time. He, he had, a, he had uh, brain, brain cancer, cancer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, very very gratifying to, to see the outpouring of kind words for him. Though mm -hmm. I was, it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Internet's flooded with just great stuff. Yeah, and Rush you know, fans are not like Anne Murray fans. They don't kind of like the band. No, they're fanatics. Yeah, the total fanatics. And and he was the prog rock crowd in general. I think is yeah. kind of that way. Very much so. All right. Well, uh, classic Rush. So uh, is that is that a wrap? It's a wrap, my friend. All right. It's the Bob and Zipcast with Ed Kelly. We'll see you next week.